0: This week on the podcast, we are talking with a nonprofit that is using data and tech in order to improve voter turnout and participation. This is Using the Whole Whale Stories of Data and Technology in the Social Impact World. My name is George Weiner, your host, and the Chief Whaler of WholeWhale.com. Thanks for joining us. Today we're speaking with Democracy Works and, in particular, a, an amazing product they have called TurboVote, which makes it as easy as possible to both register and then stay alert about the local elections that, you know what, sometimes we miss. And actually, more specifically, if you're in New York City, 80% of you miss. <laughs> Look. Here's the deal. It is very difficult because it's state-by-state. It's very difficult because there are different laws and rules. And what TurboVote's been able to do is simplify it and create a one-stop shop that also created a tool that other nonprofits and organizations could use in order to engage their supporters to vote. No matter which side of the fence you're sitting on, they want you to participate. Today we're speaking with Magda Kura, the product director, of TurboVote, as well as Catherine Peters, the co-founder COO, Um, and we are going to have a great conversation. I hope you find it useful, especially if you're in the voting space. I'm here with Magda Curra and Catherine Peters from Democracy Works. Hey, how's it going?
1: Good. going great. How are you? (laughs)
0: Uh, I'm having a great time today because I am fascinated with the work you all did in um, 2016 and at present around Democracy Works and your product, um, TurboVote. But specifically, Catherine, you are the co-founder and COO, and Magda, you are the product director of TurboVote. Uh, Magda, can you give us a little uh, overview of how the, the product of TurboVote evolved and what exactly it is?
1: Sure, Um, so I will start with uh, what TurboVote is, um, and then maybe Katie can go into a little bit into the history of of TurboVote. Um, TurboVote is an application that um, helps citizens uh, get registered to vote and um, get their registration updated if that's what they need. Um, We help uh, citizens get the forms they need and information they need uh, in order to vote by mail. And we also advise and remind our um, users of upcoming elections, whether that's, you know, the most local uh, level elections all the way through state, national, and presidential elections.
0: Awesome. So when you're creating this originally, why, you know, like, why do this? Weren't there a lot of like ways I could just go online to like my DACA of whatever and figure out where to vote? Uh, What was the impetus behind uh, this product?
2: Actually, it's harder to find voting information online than you would expect. Um, To this day, about 30 percent of local elections offices do not have websites. And in many places, the law requires you to announce upcoming elections in uh, traditional formats like newspapers and print. And so I was a graduate student uh, in policy when one of my classmates came to me, hugely frustrated that, As a registered voter in New York who was living in Massachusetts, he'd missed a local election that he didn't even know was happening and wanting to build a reminder service that would make it much easier for even a civically active and engaged person to know what was going on and be able to take part in everything from state and local to federal elections.
0: Yeah. And so how long has this product been been out there in the world?
2: We started building TurboVote in 2010 and piloted a beta version of it with the midterm elections that took place that November. Uh, our first real year of operations then was the 2012 presidential cycle. We've been growing and expanding since then.
0: That's, that's fantastic. And give me some of the idea of like what kind of numbers? How many people have registered or gone through the site as far as you can share?
2: Um, yeah, we've served more than a million voters at this point through TurboVote. Uh, and as we have grown as an organization, also have been able to track absentee ballots with, in partnership with local elections officials through one of our other programs called Ballot Scout for another quarter million, and through providing data on polling places and ballot information in conjunction with the Pew Charitable Trusts and Google's Voting Information Project, have served hundreds of
0: millions more. And as far as you know, obviously starting in 2010, it was a different different landscape. Uh, versus 2016, how has the product evolved? and you know what does it look like from, let's say the point of view of a college student in Michigan?
1: Michigan is a is a relatively uh, interesting state, I would say. Um, but uh, so I can talk about our new platform um, and, and some of the newest things that we've done for the um, college population in that state. Uh, and then also some of the interesting work that is upcoming and actually about to release, um, maybe even by the time uh, this podcast, podcast is released. Um, so the way we uh, work with TurboVote is we actually partner up with organizations that already have reach. Um, and so schools, higher ed um, organizations are some of our most successful uh, partners. Um, we will partner up with a school And then um, then the school will continue with the implementation of the tool, whether that's, you know, getting organizing different registration drives um, or just getting folks to sign up um, to get their election reminders. And so today, the way the tool works is that each school will have a very tailored, customized link, and then you will um, you will go through the tool and very nicely, you will have an opportunity to um, you know, add in the mailing address right on campus if that's where you live, or we'll direct you um, to input your address if you still wish to vote it at school. So it's a very customized, very tailored to the student's needs experience. Um, and what we're working on right now is sort of a drop-down menu so that we can pre-populate all the information for a students if they choose to register on campus. And uh, so that's a feature that we're working on right now.
2: What I'd say is that the experience of TurboVote is one of getting to know a voter and helping make sure that they feel welcomed into the process. So you come and we ask you what your name is. We ask you what your preferred means of contact and contact information is, whether that's an email address or a cell phone number. And then we find out if you're already registered to vote or not. The service does help with voter registration for people who need to. But it's not exclusively for new registrants or new voters. So you can tell us if you need help registering or if you don't. um, And then we check out where you are. And based on that, can tailor our advice and recommendations saying, OK, in your state, anyone can vote by mail. Is that an option you prefer or do you like to go to the polls? Or we can warn people your state expects that you go to the polls unless you have a good reason you can't be there on Election Day. How how are you planning to vote? How are you preferring to vote? And then what we're able to do over time is to keep in touch with people and keep them engaged. So uh, when is an election coming up? Are you going to need an absentee ballot for this one? Are you going to be able to vote in person for this one? Uh, Where are you able to look up your polling place? Where are you able to find ballot contents? And to be able, election after election, to keep in touch with them and to provide them with those services. That's true for college students, where I think we're especially helpful in Michigan because Uh, Michigan has special rules about either registering to vote in person or voting in person in your first election. And we can help make sure that students know that if they're registering on campus, they're going to have to go to the polls on Election Day. If they're registering back home, they may need to travel back home to get registered in advance of the election or return on Election Day when they're first time voters in Michigan. And that kind of additional advice and information and being able to provide that early in the process so that people have what they need to be successful voters and aren't surprised and aren't running into additional obstacles along the way is really what we build for. And that is true, whether it's we're serving college students or other first time voters or really even expertly engaged, you know, highly civic people who don't always remember when the school board election is creeping up on them.
0: Yikes. Yeah. I, you're making me like, I'm like, I try to be a very civically minded person, but you just said school board election. I was like, Oh boy, I have no clue. And also haven't right. voted in it. And oh, I know, no. I know. That's, I just,
2: that's so true for so many people though.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know actually some of the numbers about, you know, give me broad strokes, you know, cause you have the, the data on, you know, the national elections. What kind of numbers do we see for national elections versus our local elections?
2: Well, we live and are based out of New York City, where our mayoral elections tend to have turnout below 20 percent and even sometimes below 15 percent. Obviously, the mayor of New York is a person with significant power. They control a jurisdiction that's larger than many states, but it is really only a very small fraction of the people of New York who end up having any say in that choice. That's especially true because uh, New York is a closed primary state, so you also have to be registered as a Democrat. That, that obviously limits the pool of would-be voters to some degree, but the number of people who are even registered and eligible and in the correct party who simply miss out on municipal elections is quite high here, and that's not unique to New York by any stretch of the imagination. When you're looking at local elections, 20% turnout is reasonably good in many places, and that, I think, absolutely has to change and is what we're focused on really making happen in 2017.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's an important fact. And I think logically, I think you can follow the thread that, you know, the, the local politics and the local environment are more likely to be changed by that vote than a national one. Yet, you know, obviously more money and attention uh, are, are spread on the, they get out the vote efforts uh, around our every four years uh, cycle. And, and it's tough. I also like that you're focusing or at least really honing the process for, for college students. What percent uh, would you say uh, of people using your platform are of that college age?
2: Our college voters make up approximately a third of all TurboVote users.
0: Mm-hmm. And what would the other thirds break, uh, make up be?
2: To be honest, we work with a huge number of partners. Magda, please jump in with some of your favorites. This last cycle... For example, we were working with Starbucks, which serves, I would say, Americans of just about every demographic stripe. We were working with Univision and helping to serve a large number of Latino voters, uh, again, of a pretty wide range of ages and backgrounds and, and states of residence. Um, I think we've also really enjoyed working with partners as diverse as like My Faith Votes on a, a, an issues-related side to, oh, who else would I name there? With the TurboVo Challenge, actually, the number of companies that we've gotten to work with, I think American Airlines did some really great employee engagement around elections, for example. Um, And our schools then, in the same way, cover everything from two-year to four-year colleges to large research universities, so that when we're working with them, our student body might be a reasonably large fraction of our user base, but in terms of who we're serving and what their needs are, I think our users from, like the freshman class at Harvard, and our users from the commuter campuses at Miami Dade College, also don't necessarily have a lot in common, and that many of our college students, especially with our with our community college partnerships, don't necessarily demographically look like young people either.
1: I would agree with that. I think one fun fact about our user base, um, just from last year, which has changed, is that um, TurboVote is also available in Spanish, um, and so. 15% of our user base actually chose to go through with the, in, with the experience in the Spanish language.
0: Nice. Yeah, so definitely diversity here and also maybe speaks to the fact that you are able to white label and work with other groups and say, hey, here's the tool. We just want you to implement it for your audience to increase the turnout, to increase the awareness of, uh, of your elections. You know, on that point where it seems like you're very different than other organizations because you are uh, a bit more open with your your information and you have, I think, what looks like open data coming. Uh, Can you speak a little bit more to that?
2: The election space is an interesting place to do open data because, as you might imagine, almost all of the data is officially open. Whether or not you vote is public. Many people don't know that, but it's true. The voter file is public. Polling places get published. Election days are meant to be broadcast. The problem is one of, of aggregating and making common sense of that information across the fact that there are between nine and 10,000 separate local jurisdictions responsible for running elections and that are still storing and maintaining this data in their own separate systems. So Magda and I are actually lucky enough to work with a woman named Carmen Hicks whose entire job is – Collecting, standardizing, collating that data and making it publishable for us so that we're able to share it with our users and now also our partners. So, for example, we just opened up an elections API that's able to include a plain English name for an election, what we're calling it, something like the Iowa City School Board election, have an election date, have the deadlines for voter registration and absentee ballot request and be able to have that tied to the jurisdiction. Um, Similarly, another product of Democracy Works that we aren't explicitly talking about today is contributing to the Voting Information Project alongside Pew and Google, where it it publishes polling place information and ballot previews for jurisdictions, and it ties those down to individual residential addresses. That data is officially provided by state-level elections offices and is the largest open data project in the election space. And so on TurboVote side, we consume that and we really benefit from it and are deeply grateful that that data exists and, and that that project continues to
1: grow and thrive.
0: Nice, uh, and maybe Magda as the, uh, as the product director, uh, how are you thinking about some of the new things you're working on with regard to experimentation and making sure that you know your, your forms are optimized and everything is, is, is growing and improving?
1: Sure. Yeah. So with hundreds of local elections coming up this year, um, that's certainly an area that we're focusing on and just making sure that our technology works, that we're getting out the notifications and reminders about elections that people really need. Just for example, today we're sending out notifications about elections tomorrow in New Hampshire, and Minnesota, um, in uh um Massachusetts, for example. Um, so nearly every Tuesday um, this year, there are local elections going on uh, across the country. So that's part of it. Uh, but that's more on the tactical side. Um, I think on the strategic side, I nowadays spend most of my days thinking about how do we increase turnout? Uh, and um, to start that off, uh, we are right now in the research phase where we're uh, conducting some user interviews in person to gather qualitative feedback on first the elections uh, that, and, and the pain points with elections, uh, what troubles people have, uh, what questions do they have in elections, and really trying to understand better the process from a user point of view. And then asking them second question, which is asking them to really imagine an election coming up and the type of the type of information that they would like to receive in order to successfully cast their ballots. And so we're doing those, but we're also um, conducting different uh, levels, levels of surveys in order to gather qual- quantitative feedback um, from our users. So if there is an election and we reminded you about that election, we sometimes will follow up with a survey after um, the election day and ask you whether or not you voted and for the reasons that maybe you didn't vote um, and the type of information that you would like to receive going forward. And the idea here is to really experiment and add on to now our notification platform so that in the future, our voters really have all the information that they need in order to you know, show up to the polls and cast their votes.
0: Nice, and as you' as you're looking at this um, as, a, as a process, what are some of the KPIs, those performance indicators that you as a product manager are saying, all right, if we are doing our job correctly, these are the numbers we should see and, and maybe you can share some of them if possible.
1: Sure. So, as I mentioned, right now, we're really just gathering feedback and in and, and the research phase um, and, and really not thinking about how we're going to transform our notifications without fully understanding the problem. However, um, the idea for KPIs um, is really something that will live in, in Katie's word world, but I'll just speak to a couple um, that come to mind um, So the first one is uh, the number of signups, the number of signups that we're seeing the traffic that is coming through our sites and how far are those folks getting? What type of services are they requesting? Are they coming in to get uh, get registered to vote? Are they coming in to get uh, forms that they need in order to vote by mail? Or are they just coming in to get election reminders? And then, uh, Hopefully, you know we'll kick off a series of s- several different notifications, uh, uh, controlled experiments where we send folks different types of information in in, in those notifications. And then the real measure is then comparing uh, those folks, those groups um, to uh, the voter file and making sure that um, seeing really the statistics on whether or not they voted, because that's the ultimate measure of whether or not we're successful. Katie, do you have anything to add there? Yeah.
2: Um, the piece that Magda is referring to is that the gold standard of really knowing our impact is, is both clear and in many ways much more straightforward in civic engagement than in any other sort of nonprofit social good field that you could imagine. Like I said, Whether or not you vote is a matter of public record. And so we can match our user base to a voter file and see which of our users successfully registered to vote, which of them actually turned out and cast their ballots in election after election. The big challenge is that that data doesn't turn over as regularly. Those are updated in many states on a quarterly basis. In some, it's monthly. and some, it's only biannual, semi-annual. And so while Magda is looking at things like Uh, completion rates and throughput on the website and click-throughs on notifications and many of these more immediate flavors of engagement, those help us measure day-to-day and help us grow little by little, and then I'm still actually running our overall metrics portfolio doing that voter file match, making sure that we're finding everyone who we can reasonably find on the voter file while also not introducing false positive matches of our voters to people who are not the same same, um, voters. And checking to see what at what rates are we successfully helping people register, and at what rates are we successfully helping people vote.
0: Nice. So on the so let's skip the registration. I'm actually very curious about the type of lift that you know, your, your notification and alerts tool gives, is there any broad metric that you have? Like, for instance, you threw out the number of 20% r- roughly thereabouts in the U S or uh, in New York city are, are voting in a local, you know, our turbo vote users, for instance, you know, at a rate of 25%. The most,
2: as I'm putting together our 2016 files right now, and don't have that finished. Um, the most recent number I happen to still have off the top of my head is from all the way back in 2012, where we saw that of TurboVote users who were registered voters and hadn't run into trouble along the way of getting registered or hadn't remembered, thought that they were registered, but somewhere else, um, 75% of our first-time voters uh, actually successfully cast ballots, as did 80 percent of those who were using us to update an existing voter registration after a move or similar. And that was another election where the overall national turnout was about 65 percent. So, yes, we're able to help uh, nudge people to be able to take part and to really simplify that and can can see that as impact.
0: Mm-hmm. But if the last time you took that that dipstick on you know how you were doing this in 2012 I'm wondering more near term like what sort of numbers did you see out of 2016 you know it was a obviously crazy election where there were a lot of factors in play and you know you can talk about you know one section turning out to vote uh, obviously been over analyzed to death uh, anecdotally quantitatively what did you see in your data and what are you if anything sharing
2: so what we're able to see is a a snapshot of the American electorate that isn't necessarily representative. And so demographically, I don't think that our user base would allow us to say anything scientific enough about the electorate at large. What we saw was actually very high levels of interest. We were redesigning our workflow and our welcome process from 2012 to 2016. And so we're already able to increase the people interested in Um, election reminders or registering to vote, we managed to increase our throughput by 50% from 2012 to 2016. And one of the most interesting things I'm looking forward to finding as we complete the voter file match in the weeks to come is whether or not we also managed to increase our conversion rate from a a TurboVote user to a registered voter or not, or whether or not most of our improvement was from uh, an interested clicker to a TurboVote user. Um, And in that that particular case, I don't know what I will predict about our actual turnout rates and how that, that played. This election saw a significant number of changes in how elections are run, how eligibility works, and what the process looked like in a number of states. And so I suspect that we'll see increased turnout in some places and decreased in others. And that could tell us some things about how election administration affects voter participation in many places.
0: Yeah, it's interesting um you know we can dive maybe deeper are there any kpis that you know we haven't touched on or numbers that you're you're driving on it seems like you know it, it's very clear let's register more humans and get more humans to then uh not only vote for the first time but continue to vote uh moving forward is that a fair assessment
1: i think uh one of the interesting things that we are seeing uh this year and in this past 2016 year it is election year is that um there's an increased percentage of our um, of our user base that is accessing TurboVote via mobile. Um, there is about 70% of our uh, users actually access TurboVote by mobile, and I think that has changed over the years tremendously, and it is continuing to go up.
0: Nice. Yeah, I mean the the mobile issue is obviously huge, and accessibility is huge. Does it seem, um, you know, when you're looking at because you look at this state by state, you're collecting. Um, all these data points and then factoring it into messaging. Uh, what are the kind of laws that either like the most for you important laws that states are enacting or basically not uh, when it comes to, to voter registration, as well as maybe voter participation in the local election side?
1: So I'll start that off and then probably kick it kick it to Katie. Um, but I think the number one thing is, is online voter registration portals um, that we can easily integrate to. Uh, so that, you know, when folks sign up on TurboVote, we can seamlessly transition them to their government site. And it's even better when they have APIs that we can integrate to so that, you know, whatever information users are providing to us on TurboVote, we can just pre-populate that information right to their OVR site, online voter registration site. Um, so that's one of the, the ones that I'm really excited about. There are only, there are about, 35 states that already have OVR sites, um, but we're still missing 15. And in an ideal world, uh, you know, all states would have those
0: sites. Nice. Yeah. Um, Does it seem like uh, in general, as far as you can tell, states are becoming more digitally savvy, hopefully, with regard to integrating uh, what needs to be done to increase participation? Or does it seem like they're, you know, falling behind?
2: I'd actually say the digital front looks really bright. I think that when we started working in 2010, only Arizona had an online voter registration site. So that 35-number magda sighting is significant progress in a short time. I think a number of states, including um, California and uh, Virginia, have also released effectively API's. For voter registration that allow tools like ours to pass voter data on to register voters directly without having to link them off to another site and making them type their name back in and type their address back in and duplicating that data. I think that's a really positive development. I know that Pennsylvania not only built something like that, but they did it with a bulk importer So like groups that are out canvassing can collect voter registration information offline and then pass it to the state in a, in a file after the fact. I think that some of the things Oregon is doing to integrate voter registration more tightly into more service agencies as they're rolling out automatic voter registration, they're doing two things. And one is making would you like to register to vote an opt out question rather than an opt in question at places like the DMV. But they're also doing much cleaner data transfer and much more automated data transfer from other agencies to the voter file. So those are some really strong developments and I think really lead to, to some interesting ways that we might get more voters engaged. I know we're hearing a lot of enthusiasm from elections officials about the ability to send text and email reminders, and we're looking at whether or not that's something that we can work with more government entities to do, rather than simply doing so as, the, as TurboVote out um, in the third party, being able to help elections administrators send these same reminders directly to their constituents as official government communications.
0: Well, I like the I like the positive outlook, and I love hearing that that progress is in fact being made, and it does uh, does seem like it is continuing, which is nice. Alrighty, we are going to move into our lightning round, but before we do, I have one quick last question uh, regarding your advice to other nonprofits trying to tackle digital impact, and particularly maybe in the voting space. What do you feel like that advice looks like?
2: I think that when Magda was talking earlier about user testing, that is really where I would start. I think that the very first version of TurboVote we built was built with my own self in mind as my ideal user. And I think I got a number of things that worked reasonably well. And I think there were a number of things that we had to go back later and revise specifically because I'm not necessarily a sufficiently representative voter as the kind of nerd who starts a voting rights
0: organization or a voting <laughs> tech organization. Yeah, you might be an outlier, just a little yeah. bit.
2: Yeah. And so over the years, really thinking carefully about wireframing and user testing and advanced research at a qualitative level continues to to prove itself valuable, even when I think I'm doing enough of it. Even as we as we're we're doing the best we can, the more of it we do, the smarter we keep getting. With this rewritten version of TurboVote, I. I kept thinking that what I wanted to do with the workflow, for example, was keep it as simple as possible. Have a question, have an ability to answer it. But one of the questions in our research script is like, so can you describe what you just did at the end of the signup flow? And people kept expressing a certain amount of confusion, going, well, I sort of signed up for this thing and I think something, something voting. And so I kept adding more explanatory text and more background information at every step about what we were asking, why we were asking for that piece of information where it would go, how it played into the voting process. And to be honest, after four rounds of testing, I I was getting clearer answers to that question. And I don't know that we actually reached the point where we have maximized the amount of helpful explanatory text we can build in. I think there may still be room for that to get stronger. We effectively realized that the more of it we could put in, the better, and and needed to go ahead and continue building the product. So I think one of the joys I have of of having brought Magda onto the team is having that capacity to continue testing more and to do more of it and to have that be a full-time role for us in many ways.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And I think I would just add one more thing, and it is um, really integrating your process into the regular, you know, sort of daily life processes of citizens, Right, so for us that means integrating on campuses, for example, into the you know check-in process, orientation process, uh, so that you can find your users where they already are without them having to reach out to you specifically to get that service.
0: Alrighty, so let's go to the rapid fire. I will randomly call one of you. You're welcome to pass, uh, but that means the other one must answer. Uh <laughs> oh. There we go. Alrighty. What is one tech tool or website that you uh, that your organization has started using in the past year, Magna?
1: Oh um, two at least two come to mind. Uh, the first one, if I can, uh, the first one is uh, prodpod. Uh, so we just started using Prodpod, um, which is a uh, product management software. Um, that basically helps t- uh, teams collect ideas, collect feedback that we get from users, all in one place. And then we um, prioritize that feedback and prioritize those ideas and collect, cre- uh, create very beautiful, flexible roadmaps out of that, which we can we can then share with all the stakeholders. So it's just a, a wonderful one tool, one stop shop tool for for all product needs. Um, And then I would say, if I may, the second one, just to call out um, an amazing tool called Zendesk. Um, It just is a very beautiful, simple system that um, tracks and and helps us solve um, customer support tickets. Um, And that is basically how we serve our help desk.
0: All right, Catherine, talk about a mistake you've made in your career that shapes the way you do things now.
2: Oh, my um, every state gets to design its own absentee ballot request form, and we have to code, therefore, about 48 different forms into the system and handle them. In our very first year of operations, we were working with a mail firm who uh, wanted to help us do that and simplify it by running a mail merge so that we could just send them raw data csv files and they would generate all the forms and be able to send them out in the mail for us and when we were small and scrappy that seemed like a really big amount of work that we didn't want to have to do and in something like our very second mail batch in our pilot beta we managed to send out a round of forms where everyone had someone else's middle name (laughs) and the file had gotten scrambled and to be honest that led to a really different way of approaching which things we are expert at and need to have in-house versus which things we do outsource and use third-party vendors for and in many ways um changed how we approach doing quality assurance and managing that kind of control. We pre fill all of our own forms and handle them all as PDFs when we pass them to our mailhouse at this point. Um so that those elements of getting it right and getting people on the files with the information that they intended to register with is is very much within our control. We still rely on third party services like an external mailhouse and Twilio, but all of the messaging and all of the information we pass is finalized by us at this point, and I think was a really important, if very scary lesson to have learned in the early days.
0: Nice. All right, Magda, what tech dragons do you need to slay in the coming year?
1: Hmm. Um, I would say there are definitely many. Uh, Katie, do you want to... T- I will
0: pass, oh, pass. that. pass. Strong pass. Here we go.
1: <laughs> oh. Um.
2: I'd say the biggest one is that we just are running now a totally – we did a ground-up rewrite in 2015 and 2016 of TurboVote the tool for a number of reasons, many of them about scale and many others about the underlying data infrastructure and what we learned about how elections really work over the first years of our operations. The thing we need to slay is that our old Rails application is still serving a number of our users who signed up prior to 2016, and getting them all migrated off and actually spinning those servers down is a day I'd say we're all looking
0: very much forward to. Absolutely. All right. Catherine, what is something you think you or your organization should stop doing?
2: I think this fits a little with the question of how we would go out of business. And I think it's that I would love for us to stop being the face of voter engagement. I would love for all the services that TurboVote has built and perfected to become Um, services provided by state and local elections offices. And I hope that our work with them and our relationships with them could eventually lead to us being a civic technology firm that is not also uh, voter facing or voter serving in many ways.
1: just related to that. I think um, we mentioned in the, at the beginning of this interview uh, that we hand collection all of our, collect all of our information, election information. So I think that's something that we eventually, you know, have to move uh, move away from, uh, and there's got to be a way where, you know, government reports to us, election uh, officials or election administrations will come to us and, and share with us that data, as opposed to us actively searching the internet and calling clerks' offices to collect election information.
0: Yes, that too. <laughs> All right. Catherine, do you believe that nonprofits in general can successfully go out of business?
2: I think so. I think that the way that we've chosen the work that we do and being a provider of technology means that we are pretty unlikely to do so. I think for us, success would look like having many of the tools that we've built get integrated into official processes. I think success would look like us ceasing to be a third party out engaging voters directly but I also imagine that the tools that we've built will continue on and that that also means that we as an organization would. I would love to see us playing a very different role in this space in
0: a decade. And if you had a Harry Potter wand for the industry and you could wave it and it would change one thing, what would it be? Magda. Magda.
1: Um so I had I already shared my wish for all states who have OVR sites. Um so I won't <laughs> repeat that one. Um I will maybe say I wish uh you know uh every place in the states was more like uh Denver City, uh, which is pretty much the gold standard now for elections where you have vote by mail elections and also um ballot boxes, drop off boxes. Um and so you know, integrating all those good practices all over the world, uh, all over the states and the world uh, probably where they're working uh, would be a world that I would love to wake up to tomorrow.
0: All righty. And finally, we'll give it to Catherine. How do people find you and how do people help you?
2: Oh, uh, you can find us at democracy.works or turbovote.org on the web or at DemWorks Inc. or at TurboVote on Twitter. Uh, I personally am at Katie, et cetera, if you would like to find me. And um, we need people who reach voters. We do not actually go out and do our own marketing. We don't do our own messaging. So if you have an audience, whether that is your school, whether that is through a nonprofit or a volunteer community, whether that is a company, and you believe that, a discussion about civics and the importance of voting has a place in that community, you should reach out to us at info@turbovote.org and talk to us about how you might be able to act as the promoter, the inviter, the convener around that, and how our tools might then help you better engage with your friends and neighbors.
0: Awesome. Perfect way to end, and I do encourage the the folks listening to do check out uh, your tool. It's it is tremendous and an industry leader. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm sure you're super busy because it's almost Tuesday somewhere.
2: Amen. Thanks so much.
0: For listeners of the podcast, I think you're beginning to see some trends. When I ask for advice, when you hear about successful products, there is always the balance of listening to users, going out there in the field, and attacking the assumptions that sometimes, or sometimes more frequently, we make when we design products and services that only fit ourselves or a small group of people. And you can see, especially with a tool like TurboVote that is supposed to reach Americans, you know, capital A, all of them, they are doing a great job going out there and seeing how they can continue to make it easier to vote, to apply technologies, to open up data, in order to help more, uh, more organizations, and frankly, more people uh, become better citizens through through voting. Uh, I think it's a great tool. And that's why we had them on today. So even if you're just somewhat curious uh, with your organization being, oh, I don't think we're big enough. You know what? Get in touch with them. You know where to go. This has been episode number 72. And you can find resources online at wholewhale.com podcast. This has been Using the Whole Whale, stories of data and technology in the social impact world. Resources, as always, may be found at wholewhale.com slash podcast. Thanks for joining us. Today's music intro and outro brought to you from the one and only Greg Thomas. Music.org. Greg Thomas is a talented gentleman. He can create music for your background, foreground, or playground. Any ground that you could imagine. That's the music he can create for.